Hello, darlings. You are listening to Healing in Doses, a place for insight and hopefully inspiration to take along your healing journey. It's your girl, Siobhan, owner of The Healing View, and I am excited to be here once again to talk to you about everything, (laughs) everything from love to life to all of the little things. In this episode, we're going to talk about the things that people never tell you. In particularly, the things they never tell us about grief and the process of grieving. What happens to us when we lose something, someone, and have to navigate that grieving process? Now, I used to think I was a pro at loss Yes, a pro. By the time I was 27, I suffered so many endings that I thought it was my life's mission. I just thought that I was the girl in my friend group who had to go through life living within the peaks and the valleys. I didn't have a smooth sailing childhood. What the fuck made me think I was going to have a smooth sailing 20s? I'd gotten so used to endings and transitions that I knew exactly what to do whenever it was time to say goodbye. Even till this day, evolution is my thing. I know how to leave. I know how to remove myself from situations. I, at times, uh, have the keenest sense of, of my exit strategy and when the right time is to let go because I'm so used to letting go. So I thought. The arrogance around letting go, I guess must have prompted the universe and God and every angel and every ancestor I ever had to play a little game with me and test my limits. That limit included losing a loved one, a relationship, severing a job, giving up an apartment, and losing a whole host of people I thought were there to anchor me through the storm. All of this in one year, one year alone. Now each one of these events carried its own unique sense of sadness, confusion, and even pain. And at the end of each one, I, like many, wondered what the fuck was next. And during this (laughs) disillusion of my soul and complete separation where I'm discovering a new profound sense of what it means to end, I've come to realize some real truths along the way. Seven core truths to be quite frank. The seven things no one really tells you about loss about grieving and what that process is for a human being. Now, some of these things you guys probably already know. Others, you may not have ever had the courage or the words to articulate what it is that you were feeling, but I guarantee you, we're probably not that different. So let's go into the seven things they never tell you about grieving. As we all are navigating our peaks and our valleys together. So number one, 
of the seven things they never tell you about grieving is that grief has no steps <laughs> or no true stages. I know you all have heard of the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. The idea is that we progress from denial through anger, through bargaining, making concessions about why something happened. Then we get really depressed about it. And then at some point we reach the light at the end of the tunnel and we accept. We accept what has happened to us. We accept what we've lost and then we moved on. Now, for those of you who might be grieving right now, sad as hell, <laughs> just suffered a significant loss, whether it was the loss of a person, the ending of a relationship, um, the loss of a business, job, whatever, you are probably like, that's pure bullshit. Ultimately, the stages themselves don't necessarily go in an exact order. And those are not the only feelings we feel. During grief, you are going to feel all of it. Joy, happiness, purpose, power. Sometimes death makes people rise to the occasion of their lives and change whatever they need to change and, and build whatever they need to build because now they are inspired. They are inspired by the fact that life is fickle. They are inspired by the fact that uh, the person who they lost was a force in this world and they want to honor them by equally being a force in this world. Then there's the other folks who stay depressed for the entire time. They never truly reach acceptance or they're always angry. They're angry about the loss and then that anger turns into rage. Sometimes it's a nice two for one punch. You get anger and you get depression at the same damn time. Sometimes you never really hit the bargaining line. Maybe you were never in denial. If someone has been sick for a long time and you were preparing for their um, inevitable uh, exit, Maybe you never deny that that was possible, but that doesn't make you any less pissed about it. That doesn't make you any less sad about it. And all of that can be felt together. The key to understanding this for me is that it was better to feel everything than to feel nothing. Because to feel nothing is like a slow death on its own. To feel nothing doesn't bring any honor to the person or thing that you had to let go of. In this time, knowing how, how fickle things can be and how quickly things can transition only makes life more meaningful. And I know that's a cliche and you might be saying, well, Siobhan, that's bullshit too. My life has no meaning right now. I've lost the person who gave my life meaning. Well, you did and you didn't. You lost them in that physical form, but their presence and their impact and their influence on you and your ability to create and manifest and build, your ability to take what they set forth in this world and continue it on, that shit is still here. And it's up to you to do something about it or to do nothing. We have the ability to choose how we live the next phase of our life as the living. And death and loss and, and, and grief, it's harder on the living than it is on those who have left and who have made peace with this life. They have finished the chapter. They have finished the book of life that we are still reading. It's up to you whether you want to close it 
or whether you want to continue to the next phase, the next theme, the next plot twist. Because what is equally possible is that that future can be just as joyous and as profound and as expansive and as beautiful as when you possessed whatever you possessed, whether it was a person, whether it was a dream, whatever you had before the end, before that demise, before that separation, your life can equally possess that same level of joy and harness that same power if you decide to do so. But don't worry about no damn stages. You're going to feel all the things and feeling is the most powerful thing you can do at that time. The second thing they, they as in the authors and the self-help gurus, Tony Robbins, all of them, the second thing they never tell us about grieving is that once the moment happens, once the impact of loss occurs, that moment, whatever it is, uh, once that finishes, everyone will go on with their lives as if nothing ever happened. And that shit will infuriate the hell out of you. It's no one's fault. It doesn't necessarily mean that they don't care. And by they, I'm talking about friends and family, colleagues, uh, your significant other. It's not that they don't give a shit. It's just that for them, it is another day. But for you, it is not. You will never have the same day again. Your life just went from zero to 100 with the loss itself. People know what to do when someone passes away because it's socialized in culture. You go to the wake, you bring food. You attend the funeral, you send money to the family, you bring food. Every culture has food. Uh, You wear black to uh, the ceremony and you are there to commune with the family, the friends who love the dearly departed person. Um, People know what to do when you're suffering a breakup. They know to cry with you, to bring tissues, to bring ice cream and play your favorite music and binge watch TV with you. Uh, they know what your favorite Sex and the City episodes are and they know to bring those or to stream those or to have those set up and ready when you need to laugh and joke and watch people go crazy. People know what to do when you lose your job. They know that you may need help with rent or bills. Uh, You may need help with your resume, networking. They're your references now. They know what to do when that moment happens. What they don't realize is is that there are several moments, several hundred million moments that happened after the initial shock, after the initial wave. There are minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and maybe years of grieving. There is no time limit, there's no end date, and there really isn't a uh, measurement of potency from one stage to the next. 
Maybe you may find yourself good for the first six months after losing someone or after uh, ending a relationship, but then something will hit in month seven. You're reminded of that person. You're reminded of a situation. You're confronted with your past and the whole shit breaks apart. And then you're back to experiencing all the feels with grief. It will be difficult for people to react to that because for them, we did this already. And for them, they have fulfilled their duty as stated in society. And now it's time for them to get back to regularly scheduled programming. No one ever teaches people how to help others grieving. I've never seen a book, and maybe you guys got recommendations, please send them to me because I got a couple folks (laughs) that I can pass it along to. But generally, no one ever teaches us how to help people cope or how to help people grieve or how to support others when they are navigating trauma. We, We learn how to heal ourselves. We learn how to navigate trauma as individuals, but we're rarely taught how to navigate trauma as a community and how to create space and build communities and build community for those that are hurting and those that are navigating trauma and allowing people the space to feel those feelings, whatever they are, at various stages of it. It doesn't matter if you lost someone a year ago or the marriage ended two years ago. You can still be hurt and you can still be grieving and it still matters. And it will be frustrating when the people around you that you love the most don't get it or don't see it that way. What's important for us to do at this time is to make peace with that. What I've learned, and you know, this may be difficult for others or and, and you guys may dis- disagree, but what I've learned is It's hard to communicate the depths of this experience to those who have yet to confront it themselves. Uh, We may be socialized to, again, to help individuals at certain times and be a support system at certain times. But unless uh, unless that person in my life has actually gone through true devastating loss, they've never been able to meet me where I was. They never understood the idea of triggering and what it means to be triggered. Uh, And in this climate where, you know, folks are really confronting issues and abuse and pain that have happened to them in their childhoods and their, in their young adulthoods before they really could articulate what they were feeling. You know, we have some grownups suffering and being triggered and grieving over things that may have happened to them 20 years ago. And I'm finding that it is very difficult uh, to, cre- to find space and, and find community in a world that times and labels when you should support someone. The reality is that you should support people all the time and know that there isn't a time limit on how long grieving happens, how long it takes to resolve, and that a person may appear very much okay and be, and be not okay in the next time you see them the next day, the next hour. And that should be just as accepted and just as prioritized as the moment in which loss happens. For those of you that are discovering this about the people in your lives, don't hate them, don't be mad. 
just understand that they are not, they haven't reached their day of reckoning yet. They still don't see what it means to truly grieve. And they may not be the people you call upon during these points in your life. What I also find, if to say this, is something cool about grief is sometimes you got heroes that come out of nowhere. The people or the friends or the colleagues that you least expected, the neighbors that you least expect to come through for you. They're the ones at your house bringing you food, bringing you wine, bringing you hugs, bringing you love, checking in on you, texting you all the time, inviting you out even when you don't want to go anywhere because you're fucking depressed and you're sad and you're crying. They're the ones that, for whatever reason, for whatever their life experience has taught them, they understand the totality and the holistic nature of loss and of grief and the cyclical nature of, of the feelings themselves. So they stay on, on post all the time. And those heroes that may or may not wear a cape, focus in on them, honor them, thank them, and allow them, even when you don't want to, to be there for you, to support you, to show reverence to you, to show reverence to your grief and your experience, and help to anchor you through this time. The third thing people don't talk to us about enough when it comes to grieving is that it's okay to be needy. (laughs) It is okay to be needy. It is okay to want things, to need things. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of trends on social media about checking in on your strong friend. Yeah, check in on your strong friend. And if you are the strong friend that likes to bottle everything up and protect yourself and put on that, you know, tortoise shell, that crab shell and not let anyone into you during this time, stop doing that shit. You have lost a thing. You have lost a person. It's okay to need help and to need support and to ask for that and to be vocal about that and transparent about that. Uh, I was always the person that, you know, all those, those endings up until I was 27, right? All of those losses that I thought made me a G at this whole, you know, evolution thing. I didn't ask for nobody's help, really. I did a lot of that suffering on my own. I did a lot of that rebuilding and recovery on my own. And yeah, it made me feel really tough and really strong. And it made me feel like a warrior. But you will come to a point in your life where that shit will get exhausting and you will be tired. And every warrior has to rest. And when that rest happens, that is when you put your little hand up, you make your little phone call, you pick up that phone and you text whoever your resources are, those those heroes without capes, and you call them and you text them and you say, I need you. This is a time in our lives where we have to start being, we have to allow our ego to rest too and sit down and get out of the way from us being completely vulnerable and completely transparent around what we need. And some people will be able to meet you where you're at. Some people will be able to answer the call. Some people will be able to run to your rescue and others will not. That's okay. 
It's harder (laughs) for anyone to come to your rescue, though, if you don't say a word. So say the words. Speak your truth. Allow the people in your life to be exactly who you believe they are. People that will help you, people that will love you, people that will not judge you, and will allow you to be the crying, sad mess that you are at this time. If you are sitting at home, sad as hell, by yourself, and you don't have to be, stop doing that. Allow yourself to experience love. Allow yourself to experience the recovery that you will need as well from this experience. And understand that that is okay. And anyone that makes you feel like it's not okay can kiss your ass because you are someone who is transitioning and rebuilding from the ultimate life experience, the ultimate life event. There's birth and there's loss, and they both change your life. So allow your life to be changed. And if you don't have to, don't do it alone. The fourth thing no one talks to you about when it comes to grief, I think we kind of already spoke about it, but I'm going to mention it anyway. During the grieving process, during the emotional ups and downs, the acceptance back to denial cycles and cycles and a half, (laughs) Uh, the six months where everything seems cool and then the next six months where everything seems like a disaster, the five years that go by and that one trigger happens at a party or randomly on the street and you are back into a sad, weeping mess, all of that messy, not so cute, not so convenient thing about being hurt and suffering a loss as you are navigating all of that shit, even the people close to you that you love, the relationship you have, the friends, the family, all of those people that you put expectations on to come through for you, sometimes they're not going to come through. Sometimes they're not going to get it. Even the closest of the closest may fail you. There is a possibility, a high possibility for the people closest to you to fail you. Why? Because you are now a needy, messy thing. And everyone doesn't want to take that on. And that's real shit. Some people would rather just live a life that's happy. And your sadness may feel inconvenient to their happiness. That's real shit too. You may never hear them say that, but their actions may demonstrate this very fact. It may not be that they don't care. Oh no, they still care. They still love you. They still will say I'll die for you. I'll take a bullet for you. You're my best, 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 best friend. But in the moment that you are a different altered version of yourself, they may be the last people to show you love. It may be your significant other. It may be your best friends. It may even be your family. But understand that this is equally possible because sadness is hard for others uh, to ingest, especially if they have a problem ingesting their own sadness. If they have a problem dealing with their own pain, 
their own brokenness, their own sadness. What the hell makes you think that they're going to be completely open and available for yours? A lot of the times the rejection of your pain is simply a rejection of all pain. They don't want none of it, even the one, even, even the pain that they possess inside of themselves. And it may be hard to see at the time of you navigating such a, a terrible point in your life where you need people and you are reaching out for help or you are showing levels of vulnerability and they may not reach back. The hardest thing about that is to accept that it has nothing to do with you. I repeat, it has nothing to do with you. The inconvenience that they may feel fear and feel with your sadness has everything to do with them. They treat themselves the same way too. They deny their pain the same way too. I guarantee it. I have seen in my own personal story, I have seen um, myself, who's typically very private, if you could didn't notice, very private, but I've seen um, instances where I have shown uh, a certain level of vulnerability. And I have essentially dropped the hints that I am navigating a tough mental space. And I've put it up on social media. And I've had... Um, you know, quote unquote friends of mine will like it or make a comment on social media, but they'll never call me or they'll never text me. They'll never like reach out to me directly, but they'll look at my story or they'll like something on my feed, but they'll never actually reach out to me on a personal level as if they haven't known me for half their life. And it is such a, it's a sad but yet funny thing to see because it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about me. Uh, And I I think back to myself at a different time in my life where I would have taken it personally. And now I don't take it personally. I view it as a revelation of who they are, less about their indictment of me and my pain. And that is something that you as a grieving, messy, inconvenient person right now uh, on the surface need to understand very deep, deep within you that what you are going through is life and you are living life in full, in full love and beauty and truth and tragedy. And one day you are not going to be a sad weeping thing. You will be a strong monument and testament to what it means to be fully human. And those friends may not be there to meet you at that peak of yourself because they struggled so hard with meeting you at this level of devastation at the bottom of the totem pole. But it is always important, no matter what you choose to do and how you choose to navigate your relationships moving forward, that you remember it is not an indictment of you as a person. It is not a, a, a point of weakness. It is not you now being um, less than perfect or not good enough for them or not um, the person they thought you were. No, you are everything that they thought you were because they should have thought you were a human being. And with that, be courageous. Lean into those who allow you to lean into them 
and understand where your expectations should lie next time and where your where you may have felt a little bit of anger or resentment towards that, turn that into passion and understanding. Whenever I'm faced with that type of behavior, I take it as an opportunity to do something nice for someone else. So whenever someone hurts me, I try to do something nice for someone else because it transmutes that energy. It takes that energy from me and puts it in a positive direction. So anytime you feel neglected or brushed off or bullshitted by someone who can't take your pain, you take whatever goodness you have left and find your way to support someone else and find your way towards those people who are making it clear to you that you can be supported by them and simply allow them to do so as best you can. So the fifth thing that they never tell you about loss (laughs) and about grieving a loss is that it changes you. And it not just changes you, but it changes the perception of others and the perceptions they have about you. And at times, one loss begets another. It is not uncommon for couples to break up or friendships to be severed when one person in that relationship suffers a a massive change, a massive um, trauma and loss resulting from that trauma. It is, or better yet, trauma resulting from that loss. It is not uncommon that folks get divorced or that um, you have breaks in relationships. It's not an uncommon thing. And a lot of it has to do with discovering the person you love, whoever that is, for the very first time. If you've always walked around like I'm the strongest chick in the room, I'm the strongest guy in the room, and you are now at a point of of emotional transparency and vulnerability that may not be received well by those in your life who've only known you as one way and only want you to stay that way. To that I say they can go fuck themselves. You get to be all facets of you. You should be all facets of you. You are allowed to cry to be sad, to be weak, to be broken, just as much as you are allowed to rebuild and be tougher and to be stronger than before the trauma ever happened. And the right people to have in your life are individuals who welcome this, who are there from the beginning, middle to end, and are not shy about this moment. They understand that you won't always be this way. And if you are, so be it because you are a beautiful person regardless. That is something that for a good portion of successful couples and and friendships, they're able to see that and navigate navigate, um, that in the best possible way. But for a lot of folks, grief and loss can be, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say that it breaks people up, But if you have any weakness in the foundation of your relationships, it damn sure exposes it. So, you know, you can't blame a loss. I certainly couldn't blame a loss for my breakup. All it did was reveal to me and make 
certain things that I already knew quite clear about the person that I was with and how they loved me and how I loved them and the truth about our relationship and the reality of our relationship and whether or not it was going to make it and last the test of time. Uh, and in my personal experience, the, the individual that I was with, he didn't like the sad version of me. He only liked the good part. He only liked the part that was fun and exciting and vibrant and the constant cheerleader and the girl who loved everything and everything was great. And the moment everything wasn't great, he was resentful of that because it wasn't what he signed up for. It is important to know that that's possible. It is important to know that grief is a discovery period, not just for yourself, but for those around you. It's a discovery for you to see them and for them to see you. And as you become more raw and vulnerable, so will the fabric of your relationships. Understand that whatever is revealed in this time is important and critical knowledge, whether you decide to break up or stay together. It is important to see um, the truth in yourself and in them. You can learn a thousand times more about the integrity and strength of your relationships uh, and, uh, and the connection you have with another person. You can learn a thousand times more at times of war than you can at times of peace. And remember that as you are seeing things for the very first time, you are learning things. This is the discovery phase as much as it is a healing phase for you. The sixth thing they never tell you about grieving is that it, these periods of darkness uh, and periods of sadness and all that that comes with it, the transfer of one emotional state to the next and the rapid phase to phase movement of those emotions um, can be some of the most inspiring and purpose-driven moments of your life. You, It's very easy to get real bold and you can get real angry and real driven and real fiery and real excitable and real determined when your ass is at your wit's end. Uh, Just as much as you can be sad and depressed and angry, you can also be driven by the very energy of that person or thing that you had to let go of. Uh, Sometimes when you lose an individual, their very essence, their very presence in your life can serve as a beacon for you to lead the rest of your existence. It may mean devoting your life to a cause. It may mean, uh, you know, changing your lifestyle. It may mean um, bringing in different kinds of people in your life. But pain can be very purposeful. And it can help drive and be the very catalyst that uh, fuels us to make lasting changes. Uh, the, The arrogance that came with loss for me was that at each moment after all the suffering or after I felt like I was done with the suffering, I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I can be anything. I felt like my life had to have meaning because I didn't know how much of it I was going to get. And I didn't know how much of it anybody around me was going to get. So I had to make it count for something. I had to make it, make my, I had to work for it. (laughs) I had to make it, uh, make it count. And sometimes I did that through partying. Sometimes I did that through, um, 
focusing on a passion, on uh, on creativity. Sometimes I did that through taking certain career paths and navigating my life in a certain way. Sometimes I, I went on vacations and um, traveled to, to expand my mind, my heart, or just be in places that brought me joy. Um, but there were many periods of time where the very thing I was grieving gave me the very thing to live for. So allow that to happen to you and know that that's not wrong. It's not bad that you feel that. It's not that that person or or thing or idea or project didn't mean anything. There is no loss in significance to your life. In fact, it takes on a greater level of significance when you begin to live for something bigger and deeper than yourself. And you begin to seek out and search for ways in which you can elevate how you live each and every day of your life in order to commemorate and show reverence for whatever it is you had to leave behind. So allow the pain to give you purpose. Allow it to help you find the very motivation for building a life that you want to live in. Don't just let it go to waste. Don't let it, don't let it sink into the depressive state. Allow it to be a light Uh, in that very fury of darkness that you may find yourself in every day, randomly, allow that loss to feed you and feed something bigger than you ever knew was possible. And the seventh thing, the seventh, seventh thing that they never tell you about grieving is that The grief process, the process of handling all of your emotions, of allowing losses to happen, if they happen, the process of discovering a new version of you and a new version of people around you, the process of asking for help and being needy deliberately, the process of or more so the revelation of heroes in your life, heroes that don't wear capes and new friendships and people that you never even would have thought come through for you, allowing them to come through for you and seeing your relationships in a new light. All of that, all of that in the grieving process gives you freedom. It gives you freedom to look at your life and literally create something different than it ever was before. No one will really expect your life to be the same because you have just suffered a loss. You have just had to, you have just had your life altered in some way. So there really isn't any expectation, um, real a full expectation. There may be an expectation that your personality doesn't change, but in terms of your life, there aren't any expectations that you will live the exact same life because now the, the, people or, or, or passions or projects or whatever it is that you needed, that you had to let go of, there's an empty space now. So it is understandable for you to now live a different kind of existence. And you have the freedom to do so. I can't lie and say that I don't feel more freedom now in my pain than I did in my happiness. 
my happiness, I was bound, <laughs> right? You're bound to a certain kind of rules. Like you, you kind of make up, um, fake boundaries for yourself. You know, you subscribe to all that bullshit and then loss happens. And you're like, you know what? I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how long anybody's going to be here. I need to love the people that I love and love them passionately. I need to celebrate the people that I have in my life and celebrate them all the time. I need to take the vacation. I need to get away from the assholes that don't make me, my life happy or bring me joy. I need to pick up the phone when I feel like it and set it down when I feel like it. I need to quit the job and actually start the business or uh, quit the job and work somewhere else that suits my passion. Uh, you gain a level of you know, your nice for what meter goes sky high, your fuck it meter goes sky high. And you are simply ready to just live and just be and be in the moment and be in the present. Because for much of the breathing, grieving process, you have no choice. You have to be in the moment of your sadness. You have to be in the moment of your crying. You have to be in the moment of your loneliness or your heartache. You can equally be in the moment of your freedom and do all of the things and live a life that cultivates freedom and expansiveness. If you're going to feel grief, why not feel happiness and joy? If you're going to feel sadness, why not feel love and celebration? All of these emotions and all of these experiences are here for us to feel and to know very intimately. And in this life, they're inescapable. As much as we want to default to happiness, pain happens. As much as we want to be skeptics and live in pain, happiness is around the corner. Love is around the corner, no matter how strategically we are hiding from it. So allow yourself the freedom to change your life, to do the things, and to fully live as long as you are set to live in this lifetime. Allow the loss to liberate you for new beginnings and for a new way. And that is the end, my darlings, of this episode of the things I never tell you about grieving. Uh, I hope that any piece, any sentence, any portion of this episode um, supports you in your process. If you are a person who is suffering loss, if you are a friend of someone who is suffering loss, a, a partner, a parent, uh, a sibling, uh, uh, you know, a son, a daughter, whomever, um, take these messages and, and use them to start a dialogue. Uh, use these um, kind of hidden truths, unfortunate truths about grieving to allow you the space to speak about your experience, to deal with your experience, to um, support someone else in their experience, because we are all navigating it. This year, I've seen so many folks suffer losses uh, of all types and on all levels. And I think all seven of these truths that I've discovered on my own personal journey uh, can be applied to loss on various levels. And what's important is that every loss can hurt. The need that we have for each other doesn't change, whether it's a person that's gone or a relationship that's gone or a career that ends abruptly. 
all of this, an injury, you know, even someone who's alive, if they've, you know, recently lost a limb, recently lost a piece of their body, they've had to go through massive surgery, there's something that's now different about them and different about their world, it's still loss and people are still grieving. So hopefully these, um, <laughs> these kind of truths that I've come up with and that I've seen along my journey uh, can be helpful as you navigate your own emotional space and the spaces of those you love. As always, my darlings, I hope that um, I hope to see you again and hear from you again. If you have any questions, comments, please leave them. Uh, if you're on Anchor, go ahead and leave me a voice message, if you will. Go ahead and send me a chat. Uh, if you're on any of the other podcast mediums, go ahead and leave a comment. Uh, leave a rating. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have questions, thoughts. And as always, you can hit me up on my website, thehealingview.com, and uh, send me a note there as well. It's your girl, Siobhan, and I'm excited uh, for you and your healing journey, whatever it looks like, whatever it is, it's beautiful. Happy, happy healing, my darlings. Bye-bye.